Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Sonika Garcia. And I'm Brad Davidson, and this is Breaking the Code. A podcast series addressing the misconceptions related to the discipline of behavioral science. We hope to arm you, our listeners, with the tools you need to make sense of behavioral science and to help you apply it to your work as communication extraordinaires. So today's episode is a very special one. I always love when we get to have guests on, and we've had some really amazing guests in previous episodes, and today is no different. So today we are joined by Elisabetta Grioni, who goes by Betta, and she is a managing partner and chief medical and strategy officer at Havas Life Milan. Her background spans 20 years in the healthcare communications field, working for some of the biggest networks out there. In addition to healthcare communication, her interest is really digging deep into persona and journey work, uncovering those insights that are the most powerful and understanding humans and what they do, the reasons that humans do what they do. So for this reason, her passion is behavioral science, and she actually began and is currently developing her education in behavioral economics. So she is a great person to have on today. Welcome, Betta. We're so excited to have you. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm very excited to be here with you, and uh, thanks for having me. Amazing. We love love having company over. So Yes, yes. (laughs) And European uh, company today. Yeah, I was just going to say, and global company from Milan, which I would much rather be there than here. (laughs) But so today's episode, we were kind of thinking, you know, what what topic, there's so many topics related to behavioral science that we can dig in with you, Betta, but we where we landed was on this topic of task overload. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about overload in general and then task overload. So let's let's jump right in. We've been discussing your interest in, in the fields of psychology and consumer psychology. And so that is what birthed this idea of task overload and how does task overload actually impact human beings. So we'll, f- we'll focus there for the episode. But first, to take a step back, what in your mind is the role of psychology in the work of a strategist, particularly a medical strategist? Uh, thanks for the question. And uh, I would like to suggest uh, a new role uh, because uh, today I think that uh, we are uh, a human-centered medical strategist uh, because uh, <clears throat> we know that Today, uh, in our cultural uh, scenario, it's important to ideate and develop uh, communication that are able to build connections that transcend the product function. And so we have to base our communication on human insight. And, uh, of course, uh, with the human purpose. And here is the relevant role of uh, psychology in particular of behavioral science. Uh, and so this human-centered that uh, I add to, to our role is uh, about uh, leveraging psychology. And so we have to tape uh, into the psychological factor that drive doctors, patients, nurses, uh, and also payers uh, in their action and uh, in their decision. And so we have to understand uh, really what drives them uh, to act uh, and uh, the way they do. And uh, of course, uh, psychology has a relevant role uh, in this uh, and uh, in finding uh, strategies that uh, can help them uh, to achieve their goals. 
That's great. And that's a lot of what we talk about on this episode and it's kind of like a common thread. So how do you look at or what is task overload? That's a good question. So so when the three of us got together, we wanted to talk about what's a good psychological topic to talk about and something that's been in the press a lot recently and before pandemic certainly post-pandemic, is this concept of task overload in the hospital space, in medical practice in general. Uh, when you start looking up things like task over, I was taught task overload. It turns out there's now synonyms. There's task saturation, there's cognitive overload, there's work overload. They all refer to the same thing, which is there's too much information being thrown at your brain, or there's too many tasks that your brain is being asked to do all at once. And at some point, you fail to be able to do all of them. So think about driving. When you're driving a car, you can, you know, some of it becomes background sort of habit, you know, keeping the car on the road with your hand on the steering wheel and and keeping your speed up and keep, you know, with the brake and everything. And then you've got other drivers and then you've got the road condition and then you've got all sorts of other stuff. And eventually if enough stuff comes in and you're going really fast and you're hydroplaning and it's raining and there's cars everywhere and there's a crash and all of a sudden somebody shouts in your ear, like at some point you can't actually concentrate anymore. And the original studies around this actually started in the aviation and and aerospace industry where in cockpits, they were finding that, you know, we're asking pilots, astronauts to do too much, to keep track of too many things. And there's a number of different ways that your brain reacts. And and one of them is tunnel vision. So in a lot of airplane crashes, um, what they find is when they when they go back and listen to the recorder and everything, that um, if too much is going on and the pilot or pilots don't understand exactly what's going wrong, they start to focus on the familiar. So they, instead of like trying to figure out, instead of prioritizing which task I need to do first and then second, they can't, they just focus on say, let's keep the plane level, but it's plunging into the ocean or something. And that is the sort of final state of task overload. And, and why this matters is because there's a ton of studies out there right now that are saying basically doctors are working at the edge of task overload a hundred percent of the time that between the paperwork the charting requirements, well, that's paperwork, right? But the the different alerts that the EHR is giving them, the things that they need to remember in terms of drug-drug interactions, insurance, you know, what's coming next, uh, things related to the visit itself, things related to what happens before and after the visit, things related to nothing with the visit, but everything to do with how you make money or how you record things. So much is going on that they're really close to shutting down. And and what's interesting there is two two things. One is we as marketers sometimes go, let's just put an alert in the EHR. Let's just give them another like very rare disease to learn about. There might not be room in the sort of cognitive workload portion of their brain to fit another thing. But the other thing is burnout. And there are more and more and more studies that working in a task overload environment burns you out. And so NASA, good old NASA, right? They have six axes of uh, task saturation or overload, right? There's mental, physical, and temporal demand, meaning what your brain got to do, what your body got to do. Like it's the whole like 
patting your head and rubbing your belly and at the same time and chewing gum and walking and all that stuff, right? So mental, physical, and temporal demand, meaning how quickly you have to do it all. But then they have three that I I found really interesting that, that frustration level, effort, and performance. And some of it is personal view of performance that you're just not feeling good because you feel like you're defeated. You come home and you just haven't achieved all your tasks. And many of you know that my wife's a nurse. Um, now all of you do who are listening. And, you know, there's a lot on nursing overload as well that the, the, the sort of charting requirements that you'll hear a lot these days in America about safe staffing levels, that there aren't enough nurses per patient on many hospital floors and they're striking over this. And people are saying, oh, can't you just do your job? It's like, I cannot monitor eight patients safely for 12 hours overnight on a, a highly acute floor. I can only manage six patients or something like that. That's really what they're talking about, that there's task overload going on and that they cannot successfully promise that they will do their job to the level they want to. But then also, what's the effect on them? Right. So burnout, we all know it's endemic. Beta, I want to ask you, that was a very long explanation of what task overload is, but it's important because it's seeming to have a driving impact on some of the crises we have of staffing and of yeah. just sort of like satisfaction. So Beta, what's the impact of task overload on doctors? As you said, uh, of course, uh, there is uh, the risk of burnout uh, and the task overload uh, also impact on uh, different level of, uh, of the life of, of, of a doctor, of a nurse, of uh, also a patient at personal and professional level and at physical and mental level. And uh, I can summarize that this condition can lead to emotional exhaustion that uh, can lead to negative, uh, cynical and hostile attitudes and behavior Another kind of uh, psychological consequences is uh, the personalization. And so this happens to, to doctors. Uh, is a sort of detaching uh, feelings uh, towards their patient and they, uh, their attitude is uh, to treat their patient uh, as object uh, rather than human being. Uh, and it's really important to take in consideration this aspect uh, and another uh, aspect that I want to mention that in a clinical setting is uh, very important is that uh, is well documented that uh, when you became overload, you also uh, lose your um, control or you became unaware that you are missing data. And so this could result uh, in, uh, in a patient safety concern. And uh, it's uh, it's very dangerous. No, I just I wanted to say like that, that depersonalization really strikes home that, you know, doctors are not machines. There's an expression here, conveyor belt medicine or, you know, any sort of this idea that what we've done is we've made doctoring a very efficient set of tasks that we're trying to make more and more efficient every day. But the one thing that we've done a very well, there's many things, but one of the things we've done the poorest job on is allowing doctors to connect on a human level with patients. You know, Beta That's started cool. out talking about, you know, we, we human purpose, the, the Havas focus um, uh, on what it is that we want to talk about in marketing is like give, give people humanity. There's a human purpose to all of it. We've stripped that away from a lot of medical practice, and, and that's very alienating for doctors in, in all, 
in a lot of different ways that that word can be used in in different ways you can alienate people from other people you can alienate them from their conditions of labor which is sort of a marxist term but i think in this case is apt right i think doctors don't feel very much agency over over what they're doing and they feel like things are happening to them not because they want them to and so they get told to do more stuff and and that that again removes the sense of agency in terms of depersonalization scores beta is that depersonalization around how they feel about their patient interactions or just they feel depersonalized or is it both no it's about their relationship with patient and so they lose the, their empathy their emotion towards their patient uh, change and so they become uh, more uh, cynical as I, as i said before and so their behavior is more uh, distant from their patient i think that's interesting i mean something that even sticks out to me is like this what the Brad, what you were talking about with the sense of agency and also that uh, you know the relationship with patients it's like so task overload and and things that are being told to them causes them to feel, you know, a lack of control or that, you know, they're not, they, they don't have agency over their decisions paired with task overload, just having the like effect of you're not able to make different decisions. Cause Brad, to your earlier point, you know, if you're feeling task overload and overload, you, you're, you're kind of resort back to like those easy decisions that you're familiar with. And I think a lot of times in our business, what we struggle with is, you know, why won't doctors change their prescribing habits, you know, given they have information about efficacy and blah, blah, blah about this new drug. And it's a lot of times it's not that they don't want to be innovative and change. It's just that the environment that they're existing in is subconsciously not even allowing them to think that way. So I think there's like an interesting, like conscious and unconscious element of this, where it's like, they're frustrated because they know they're lacking control but then it's also happening and sometimes they don't even realize it and so i think, I think that uh, also they lose uh, the emotional capacity to connect uh, with their patient maybe of course yeah i mean yeah, you're I in this heightened state of overload I, I can't imagine that that connection and that human centricity patient centricity is like top of mind i mean Yes. Yeah, we always say doctors are humans and it's just not ah. possible to exist that way, you know, even if it's your jobs. I think from the task saturation or cognitive overload standpoint, one of the things that takes place is you start looking inward. You start being able, you stop being able to react appropriately, big air quotes here, appropriately mm. to yes. your environment. But, you know, appropriately as a pilot is to be taking in all the relevant information. I'm not a pilot. I don't know what that is, but I imagine it's airspeed, you know, orientation to the ground, that sort of stuff, right? You stop being able to interact appropriately with your environment when you are in a task saturation. And and I mean, you can see it, you know, we're uh, with your partner or whomever, anyone you live with or anyone you know very well, you can tell when they're sort of overwhelmed and you have to break into their consciousness and go like, can I help you, right? I have, I have a teenage daughter who's applying to college right now. She can get very overwhelmed and she doesn't know what to do next. And when you try and talk to her, you can you you can see that you're not getting through until you like break into her concentration. That to me is one of the worst consequences for any sort of human interaction of task overload is you become not present. And, yeah. and for patients, yes. they're very aware of that. 
So, okay. So focusing on like the health environment. So we dove in about doctors and obviously there's, you know, a lot of overload and and the consequences of that. Is there task overload when it comes to patients at all? Like I have my hypothesis for Brad, I'm, I'm going to turn it to you. I'm just curious if you think that patients are existing in a, in a task overload environment as well. I think patients as patients, right? I mean, if you have a job as a whatever, then, you know, maybe you have task overload there. But as a patient in the hospital, what people are really faced with is choice overload, that there's too many options being given to people sometimes and they don't know how to choose. The the other thing that people are- maybe health information overload. Exactly. There's there's too much information coming in, but there isn't a cognitive overload based on time. So, for example, in the hospital, unless they're being asked to make a decision right now, they're more overloaded with information when they go home and they start going on the Internet and they start looking up, should I take drug X? And somebody will tell you, should I get vaccinated? Yes. If you want your genes fundamentally altered, you know, and to have a microchip, no, you should not, you know, or yes, absolutely. You're a monster if you don't. And that kind of, I think both the emotional tone of advice is very high. The, the larger meaning of these choices is amplified. So if you give your children Gardasil, you're participating in the most nefarious thing ever, or you are, deserve a, a medal. I think the, the internet, and this is not me saying it, that, that, you know, the internet sort of amplifies people's reactions to, to an nth degree. And I think when patients come across information to, to bet this point, it's information to overload, it's, it's choice overload then, and it's also information without some kind of mental framework to help filter what's good information and bad information is just overwhelming in general. But from what I can tell, nobody has really looked yet and, and nobody's a big claim. So anybody listening to this, if you know of it, please send it in. Right. But as far as I can tell, nobody has studied task overload in the patient world except for cognitive overload for things like parents trying to learn how to take care of children with cystic fibrosis where there's so much to learn and so much to do and so much of it is both mechanical as well as you know timing and all that like how do i use this machine that is very real and we've done a decent job of recognizing when patients are taking home say complex machinery we've done a decent job not a great job but a decent job of making sure people get trained and checked in on some countries do better than others america as you can imagine is one of the worst just because we don't believe in sending say a nurse around the house to make sure you're doing okay whereas in the netherlands they do it's a very simple cheap thing to do um we don't do as many house calls as other countries with just to check up on people, make sure that they understand the mechanics of things. But but we do recognize that patients get overwhelmed. I don't think we think of them as being task overloaded. And I think that's a miss. So that's a very long answer of going, I don't know. Uh, for those of you who don't know, for these podcasts, I do quite a bit of reading. I don't just sort of shoot from the hip and sort of Seneca and today so is Beta. I haven't found anything on it. So that in and of itself is a finding, right? Um, but, yeah. you know, what about in the yeah. EU, Beta? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think that, yeah, I'd be so curious if anyone has, you know, any studies that have been done um, for patients and task overload. Sometimes I feel like, you know, just moving into like this, you know, everything's online and health portals. And, you know, the fact that we all know that in, in the U.S. there's an issue with like care continuum and, you know, everything is very scattered and 
health systems don't talk to one another and a lot of that falls on the patient, I do feel like that in in, in and of itself is a little bit of a task overload issue and oftentimes results in people just giving up. Like, I, I can't deal with this. I have to coordinate paperwork from here, a phone call from there, talking to this person. Like, we need to get better at that. But um, I think there's there's definitely more to dig into there. But yeah, Beth, I'm curious, is that is that an issue in the is EU? That the same also in Europe. Okay. Yes, of course. It's, uh, I I think that uh, the problems are uh, are very similar, and I think that uh, we can mention also uh, patient with chronic health condition because uh, also this kind of patient receive a plurality of advice and counseling uh, from uh, multiple healthcare providers. And this exposure to a large amount of health information uh, can produce uh, this overload uh, also in this kind of patient. Okay, so let me ask you, Beta, are there solutions or considerations that we could potentially propose to our clients to help alleviate the impacts that we've talked about of overload and really help our customers, I guess both HCPs and patients, engage in the behavior that we want them to engage in? I think that uh, there is a lot of work uh, that has to be done at uh, institutional and uh, policy level in terms of uh, procedures and organization and uh, also design uh, of the workplace, uh, so the hospital or clinics uh, to be more, to promote well-being also uh, with a new environment. But uh, what we can do with our communication competencies is, uh, in my opinion, uh, is to create wider awareness uh, of this task overload uh, or cognitive overload. uh, And uh, we have to create a culture on it uh, because uh, I think that uh, there is uh, a sort of uh, resilience uh, in our doctors' behaviors because uh, they think that they are a sort of superhero. I don't know if you have uh, these feelings, but uh, they think that uh, they don't get exhausted, they don't get depressed, they don't get burned out. And so we have uh, proposed uh, uh, sensibilization, education uh, or communication project uh, on this, because I think that uh, being aware of the problem is uh, the first step uh, toward a behavioral change. And then, uh, of course, uh, they have also to take care of uh, their own health. And so we can uh, propose a co-creation project uh, with them uh, to ideate a tool able to work on mental health uh, or uh, stress management and also tools uh, able to improve uh, uh, communication with patients uh, and so uh, improve uh, also patient experience. And one other thing that I think that uh, has to be done in hospital is to measure the task overload. Right. Because yeah. I, I, I never heard about it in uh, Italian hospital. I think it's something that is not appreciated at a certain level. And I think a lot of the literature here, when you put sort of two different strains of literature together, there's a big complaint from healthcare providers that the people who are now in charge of making sure that hospitals are financially solvent and are working at capacity and all that are finance people. They're not doctors. 
And yes. so they they keep cutting costs. There was an op-ed recently saying, please stop cutting costs you don't understand. And I felt like that's an article that only could have been written in the last 10 years because before that, doctors sort of had a little more sway over what happened in hospitals. But now it's really gotten to the point where there are people in charge of, of you know, staffing, for example, or how much we can ask people to do who really don't have that sensibility of like, is it even sustainable to do yes. this pace of work? And one of the complaints here um, and this is going to lead me directly to my final question for you guys. So one of one of the complaints here uh, is that a lot of the extraordinary measures that, say, nurses did when the pandemic was here, um, they, they've they've stayed in place. And so, for example, they reduced staffing. They 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 did a lot of things during pandemic that now nurses are going on strike. And one of the things that they're saying is, we did it as a temporary measure and then you made it permanent and we can't do this like anybody can sprint for an hour but you can't do it for a day well an hour is a long time to sprint but basically the idea that we've now tried to make permanent some of these changes that were unsustainable emergency measures and there's a big fight over that and you know uh, the reason i i say this is leading up to my last question is nursing is still 95 percent female give or take so how yeah. nurses are treated is how women are treated. And and for Beta and Seneca, before this episode, we talked about sex and gender and task overload. Um, and there's a lot of literature on task overload at work, affecting performance at home, those sorts of things, home work balance of tasks, males and females. There's a lot of literature on that. I'm just going to ask it in the most broad way. And then maybe this is sort of what we'll end on. Right. So in the in a particularly relevant today way, right? Especially for female healthcare workers who are reporting truly unprecedented levels of stress on the job. Mm. Just talk a little bit about the, the, the sort of role of, of task overload in a female healthcare worker world. And I'll leave it at that. Yes, Beta, you mentioned a lot it. of, uh, yes, of risk factor that uh, exists. Uh, I think that to face with the, this problem, maybe we could uh, uh, work uh, for women on the emotional exhaustion because uh, I read a lot of paper about this uh, and male scoring uh, on this topic is uh, very high compared to men. And so maybe we can find the solution here, a solution, an intervention that could help them uh, to live better. What do you think? Yeah. I think we could definitely even cover this in another episode. And I know Brad and yes, you've spoken about course. potentially having like a, yeah, like a panel. I think there's so much to talk about and like gender differences within the healthcare setting and, and all of that. So um, I won't get too much into it, but yeah, I think the like emotional support um, taking into consideration not so much like family roles or anything like that. Cause I know a lot of that has evolved, but I guess understanding people in like how diverse family structures can be today, it looks very different from you know, 20, 30 years ago and making sure that you're providing solutions for all of those different, those different like family structures and a specific woman. I think a lot of times women feel like the policies that are in place while we've come a long way, they're sort of just, you know, one size fits all. And that's just not the way that it is today, you know? So I think really taking the time to 
create and structure policies um, within a hospital system that take into consideration, you know, one woman who might have one child in full, you know, child care versus another woman who, you know, is a single mother to three versus someone else who has, you know, it, there's just, it just looks very different today. So I would just say, you know, that personalization is is really where we need to head. There's definitely a lot of literature on it, you know, and it's not hard yes. to combine the idea that if women are still responsible for the majority of household tasks and they are also fully engaged in the workforce and there are more female medical students than there are male medical students at this point and nursing is 95 percent female i think we really have to take into consideration the balance as a society the balance of responsibilities that people have in and out of work and i don't think it's irrelevant that we're sort of at the return to work moment of a lot of people have gotten to the point doctors as well. Well, you can't you can't work remotely as a doctor, so scratch that. But a lot of habits and practices have been upended in the past three, four, five years. But the one thing that seems to be consistent is that we're piling more and more work on healthcare workers and at work. And at some point it becomes impossible to sustain. I think when we talk about sustainability, if we're taking 50% of the workforce and piling even more on them, or at least not acknowledging that they have more piled on their plates, we're really blind to the holistic approach of, you know, the human purpose, for example. I just think it's something that we need to be much more conscious of. It's something we need to be much more aware of, this idea of cognitive overload, task overload, information overload choice overload. And these are words that people have been using more and more and more. I actually saw a list of words that somebody said, like, let's never use these in copy again, you know, the, the empower patient stuff. And they actually had overloaded. And I'm like, I'm not so sure I'm ready to throw that word out. I think we haven't discussed it nearly enough. And I don't think it's part of our consciousness enough. And that's my last sort of statement. And I'll, Sonika, um, Beta, I'll let you guys finish it. But you know, that, that's it. I think task overload is real. I think it's impacting the healthcare we're receiving. It's certainly impacting the sustainability of medical yes, careers. Of course. You know, people are leaving. Like, who wants to be stressed at work every single day of your life and feel like you can't do your job because your job is defined as too much stuff? So that, that's it. Beta, I'll hand it to you. And then, Sonika, you can take it home. So, um, yeah, this has been really interesting. I think that uh, we have to talk uh, more about this topic because uh, it's not only related uh, to healthcare field, but it's related. It's uh, it's really inside our new modality of uh, of life. We also are uh, overwhelmed about uh, a lot of things. And we don't mention one thing that uh, it's a new field of research, uh, but uh, I think that it's very important to mention that that it's uh, the techno stress. Yeah. You know about yeah. it. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, of course, uh, uh, you know, technology advancement, uh, it's a benefit, but uh, it's also a stress for us. It's uh, creating a feeling uh, of frustration, anger. So we have to talk also about this topic, uh, in, uh, in my opinion. I couldn't agree more. I think that at the very least, I mean, first of all, like this was 
so interesting. And, and Beta, thank you for sharing such useful information that's actually, you know, applicable to our work. I think the one of the main takeaways here is that we do work to try to change behavior for doctors every day, but a lot of times what we fail to do, and I, I have a reason for why that might be, but we, we fail to take into consideration these psychological states that doctors are in, like a state of overload. And I think we think sometimes, well, there's like nothing we can do about it. So what's the point? Like we can't, you know, we can't really change that or that's not for us to change. But what we can change by at least considering it is the way that we're messaging, the solutions that we're providing. We can't just, you know, provide information and solutions that don't consider the state that a doctor is in because it's not going to change behavior. And it goes back to what we always talk about. We shouldn't feel defeated by, okay, well, it's the policy. It's the way that our healthcare system is. It's never going to change. Well, while that might be a slow change, I think as healthcare communication experts, we can consider it. And there are ways to subtly, you know, change behavior by considering what are the feelings that someone is feeling in a state of overload and then doing some research into considerations when marketing to someone who's feeling stressed anxiety, yeah. anger, sad, whatever it might be. So we we do have a role to play and I would empower us to, you know, think that way because I think that's really the first step in being able to make a difference. Totally so, agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. So thank you. Thank you so much for being on. Um, I feel like we say this a lot, but I think a lot of the topics just really need like part two, three, four, and five. So um, at least when it comes to overload or women in healthcare, Beta will definitely be tapping back into you to maybe do another episode. So um, thank you thank so much. You very we, hope, much. we hope you enjoyed it. And to our listeners, as always, thanks for your support. And if you have any questions for us or for Beta on this topic, feel free to email us on um, our email, medicalanthropology at havas.com. Until next time, thanks everyone. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Breaking the Code is a podcast by Havas Health and Use Medical Anthropology Department. Created and produced by Brad Davidson, Sneaky Garcia. Content editing done by Catherine Rossi. Post-production audio editing done by Gabriel Allen Cummings. And inspiration by all of you. Thanks for listening and your continued support. If you enjoy these episodes, we would love to hear from you. Please leave a rating and subscribe. Until next time.